Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 255. The guys I like don't like me. This episode was inspired by a client this week, but really, of course, this belief comes up, this limiting belief comes up for lots of my clients. And it definitely came up for me on and off throughout my mid-20s into my mid to late 30s before I met Larry, my fiance, the love of my life. I'm going to dive into this episode in a minute. But first, I do want to let you know that I'm running a Valentine's special. You're welcome. My course is currently $200 off. The course is called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. 75 videos plus three live bonus group calls with me. And you don't want to miss out on those calls. You will learn so much by watching others get coached. And yes, you, if you raise your hand, the calls are anonymous, first name only. I highly recommend that you familiarize yourself. You purchase the course now available through February 14th with this deal and start diving into the work, whether you are heartbroken right now. There's a ton of videos for you there. Whether you want to work on your relationship with yourself, a ton of videos in there, or you want to work on calling in the love of your life in a way that you never have before, the same way that I called Larry into my life, plus a bonus step-by-step dating guide. Familiarize yourself with those videos. Learn how to self-coach, which I teach you how to do in the course, and then bring your questions to those three calls. It's really important that you manage your own mind and learn the tools yourself and then bring that mind to the call with my mind and then fucking magic will occur. I'm I'm a stickler about my clients coaching themselves because then they are more equipped to manage their own minds when I'm not around. So it's really such a beautiful experience. And if you've been curious about working with me or curious about joining the group program, this would be a great way to get a taste of how I work. And the videos are lifetime access. So even if you're listening right now, but you're like, oh, I feel so overwhelmed. The new year kicked off and I'm not ready to dive into my dating life right now or do this conscious healing work. Just know that you could have it at your fingertips and it's $200 off. There is a payment plan. We are also now doing afterpay. So I believe that you can get this course at like $53 a month for 12 months with afterpay. So just wanted to let you know about that option. We'll link it up in the show notes. You can also go to my Instagram page at Claire the Heartbreak Coach and the link will be there as well. Okay, so the guys I like don't like me. You have this belief because you've had experiences where this has happened, right? You really like the person and then all of a sudden they have changed their mind or you realize that the things that he or she or they said that they wanted aren't really true or not on your timeline or it turns out they're just a 
dick. (laughs) There's lots of reasons, right? And you still don't want it to end, but that person leaves the building. The first thing that I want to ask you is how many, how many people have you liked where they haven't liked you back? For me, it's seven. And as I was recording a take of this episode that I didn't like, I was like, wait, it might be eight. I might have had my heart broken eight times between my mid-20s to my mid-30s. And some of them were longer-term relationships, some were short. And yes, there were other situations where I hurt the other person. I broke their heart. But it was really the story of the guys I want don't want me. And I had eight people to, to use that as truth. But then I looked at each of those individual situations and unpacked them. And I was like, okay, like, that's not really entirely true. I liked them. And by the way, I want to back up for a second. I'm just looking at my notes here. If you only have two, I would also give yourself a little chuckle at yourself. Really, all the guys you like don't like you. It's been two people like chill, right? And then and then that person says, because I've maybe been that person up until it got to eight, right? But I've seen this happen a lot. Yeah, only two. But I like never like anybody, Claire. So like, I just can't imagine liking someone and that person liking me because I'm 30 and I've only liked two people. And so, you know, the chances of me liking someone again at this stage in my life, it's like, then we think about age and we think about timing and how many, or I was with these people for so long. But I look at you and I'm like, it's just two people. Two people is nothing. And how conscious were you when you got into these relationships? Were you asking the hard, vulnerable questions about what this person was looking for? My guess is no, because that's what I did. I kind of went along for the ride and enjoyed the chemistry and enjoyed the fun and waited for them to show up and then, you know, misinterpreted them asking me out on a date as meaning that they wanted the same things I did. I actually didn't really ask what I now would have my clients ask if they're six weeks into dating someone. Because a lot of people say like it went on and on for way too long and now I'm out of it. But you know, when we unpack it, it's like, okay, well, next time you're going to start out a relationship in a totally different way. It doesn't mean that it's guaranteed to last. No relationship has any guarantee, mine included. But you can go into a relationship with eyes way more wide open and not, you know, be asleep at the wheel and then find yourself five years later being like, what the fuck? Like, I thought you were my person. We talked about a future, but maybe you talked about a future like three years prior and you just hung on to that waiting for them to show up. And please know, I never say any of this to shame you. I say it to say like, oh, you should have some cathartic relief if, you know, you've liked two or three people who haven't liked you back. Like, that's not a lot of people. You know, and like seven or eight in the span of 10 years, which was my situation, or maybe like 11 or 12 years. That's not really a lot of people either, because some of those people were like six week situationships. And some of you might laugh and say, oh my God, it was only six weeks. But, you know, I'm an empath and I feel deeply and I feel strongly. And similarly, I rarely like people, but when I do like them, it's really strong and I really want it to work. And, I am just a deep feeler and I attach, 
you know, I don't attach often, but I can attach easily to someone when I'm really feeling it. And I even did with my fiance, except I showed up differently with my fiance. I really went in eyes wide open. I asked the questions I needed to ask. I watched to see if his actions lined up with his words. I let time unfold. You know, I really watched to see how he treated me and how he showed up. And it was very anxiety inducing because I wasn't used to it, but I knew it was absolutely necessary given all that I had learned from my past situations that didn't work out. So this one particular client who inspired this episode was really struggling with this limiting belief because she matched with like seven guys and then ultimately they all sort of petered out. And she said, this is what's coming up for me. The guys I like don't like me. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Byron Katie's work, but Byron Katie is amazing. And I teach her thought tool and I use her thought tool a lot. And she changes up limiting beliefs. So one of the ways she changes them up is that we look at how the opposite is true. And before you eye roll me and want to get off, I'm going to ask you to stay with me if you are familiar with the Byron Katie tool. This is the difference between me as a coach today versus me as a coach four years ago where I deleted a bunch of episodes because I just don't think this work is as black and white as I thought it was when I was newly becoming a coach. So she invites us to look at how the opposite is true. So the original thought is the guys I like don't like me. And so since she would invite you to Look at how is it true that the guys you like do like you? And I don't really love that turnaround when the thought the guys I like don't want me is so deeply embedded. I think it puts a lot of pressure on us to pretend to believe how the opposite is true. And the reality is you're no longer with those people. And if they did choose to leave before you chose to leave, I just think it's again, unrealistic to be like, well, how is the opposite true? I'm always up for a good exercise and to explore how the opposite is true. But I didn't think this angle of looking at the thought was going to help my client, who, by the way, knows the Byron Katie work inside and out, is a coach herself and is a coaching student for a very long time. So I was like, yeah, we could look at how the opposite is true. I just don't think your brain is going to buy that the opposite is true and like that's going to make you feel better and then you're no longer going to be struggling with this belief. So I just told her, you know, I'm going to noodle on this. We were wrapping up the session and I was like, I just need to sit with this and see how else we can look at this thought. And so what I came to was, and it was still like a Byron Katie approach, but it was sort of approaching the thought in a way that she doesn't normally suggest. So the original thought, again, is obviously the title of this episode. The guys I like don't like me. And what I came to was when I thought about my client and I thought about the seven or eight dudes who let my heart down over the decade between my mid-20s to mid to late 30s, the truth is it was really the guys I thought I liked didn't like me. I thought I liked them. And yeah, I did like them. The chemistry was hot. 
the fun was totally there. The giddy feels. I dated a few actors. So the drama of like the, the, the passion and the fun and the connection on acting and going to see movies together and plays together. And oh yeah, I did it all, you know, making out with a guy for our quote unquote acting scene for our acting class, but it wasn't that, right? It's like, I thought I liked them for those reasons, but on the other side of that, they were lying, cheating assholes. I'm thinking of two in particular, or another guy who I now have like so much love and respect for, but he was not looking to settle down at that time. He really loved me and really cared about me, but we definitely had different ideas of fun. He wanted to like hang out with his friends all the time and have me come along. And he was very like fly by the seat of his pants. And I was 28 at the time. And I was not like that. I wanted us to be serious. I wanted us to spend more time together. I was also quite unconscious at that time. And my delivery in asking him what I needed and wanted was very bitchy and very demanding. And so I've definitely had a good healing, apologetic conversation with him about all of that. But I wasn't the right fit for him. And he was not the right fit for me. And then my rock bottom ex, episode five, go to that heartbreak story, the worst heartbreak of my life. Turned out he was a narcissistic sociopath and had another girlfriend and was really inappropriate with multiple women behind my back and got a dog with another woman, but told me that he just used her because she was an in at the dog adoption place. And you know, it was just like so ridiculous. And I was holding on to him because I wanted him to be who he told me he was. I wanted him to follow through on his word about a future together. I wanted him to just be who I wanted him to be, but he was never going to be that person. So yeah, it turned out he didn't want me because he couldn't keep his dick in his pants. He wanted other women, but I also think he did want me. But then he didn't want me when I started calling him out and being like, this is fucking shady and this is fucking shady and this is fucking shady. And that was devastating to me because I, to my knowledge, had never been cheated on before. And this was the first person who was talking about marrying me and having my children and all of it. It was terrible. And then I couldn't date for two years. And I grieved and I sobbed and I ruminated and I meditated and I did a bunch of yoga and I read a bunch of self-help books and I tried some shitty therapists and tried to get back out and date again. And it was horrible. And I was highly triggered. And I had like really big reactions. And I was attracting yet again, not so shockingly, unavailable people. And then they would reject me, but like they were unavailable. So just really let your brain absorb this idea. Because my guess is, my guess is because I have coached a lot of people over the last seven years on heartbreak dating and relationships. And most of them come to me heartbroken over someone who like, it was all great, except he is avoidant attachment, has an avoidant attachment style, or he's still married, or 
it was really hot, hot, hot and heavy. And then he said he needed to slow down or he doesn't really have a job or a career. And like, I didn't care about that. But now he's saying like, he doesn't feel like he's enough of a man. And now he doesn't want to be in a relationship with me. Like I've heard it all. I've been through it all and I've seen it all. And so I'm just giving these examples of the different people. I could go on and on. There were more heartbreaks after my rock bottom. And yet, None of those guys are available. I mean, the irony here is, and again, I'd have to like sit down with my list of seven or eight people. Oh, one of them is like now married, who the one who I said is a great guy and he was very fly by the seat of his pants. But like he had a, a lot of healing and living and learning to do, which he did do. And so now he's happily married, which is great. But he just got married like a year ago, less than a year ago, I believe. And and our relationship ended, you know, I was 28. I'm almost 43. Yeah, like 15 years ago, right? So, you know, our hope is that good people heal, learn, grow, and find happiness. And we had a beautiful exchange when he got married, just like we were stepping stones to our right people. So that is really possible. And I have another sort of ex. And he's now a dear friend. And we had a fling and met at a wedding. And it was intense. And like, I was not ready for a serious relationship. And he was not. And I totally got dramatic and like shamed myself. And I felt like I looked like I was the crazy person. And now he's like such a dear friend. And he too has done a lot of healing work on himself. But I would say those two I don't know. I'm not in touch with all of my exes, but I don't think a lot of them did work. And the irony is my rock bottom ex is married with a kid. And yeah, I could fall into the trap of like, oh my God, he's like giving someone else everything I ever wanted. And my thought is, oh my God, that poor woman, her husband has a woman out there running a heartbreak coaching business inspired by his horrific treatment of me and lots of other women. Like, I feel sorry for her. And another woman took him to court. So she has to put her head on the pillow every night, knowing that this guy has literally never kept his dick in his pants with any other woman leading up to her. I hope that he is for her and his kid. But it's like, every situation where you could automatically think like, oh, he didn't want me. No, I actually didn't want them. So then what happens is, and you again have to, I've been saying this a lot recently because sometimes you guys slide into my DMs and you're like, oh, you did this podcast episode and you said this, but what about this? And it's like, I don't know all of your individual situations. Again, if you would like to meet and get coached, please get the course, $200 off, three opportunities in March to raise your hand and get coached, first name only. But I can't cover every, you know, unique, nuanced, specific situation. But I just gave a bunch of examples of my own life and my own relationships where I was a puddle on the floor after. And again, I have several more where I could talk about that. And it's like, actually, we just weren't a fit but I wanted us to be because I was really drawn to that person and the fireworks were there. So then you just naturally also want the emotional availability and the commitment. I get it, but you need the whole kit and caboodle and you deserve the whole kit and caboodle and you shouldn't settle for less 
than the kit and caboodle. So then what ends up happening and coming up for my clients and with this particular client, it's like, well, actually, this was a separate client, but this also came up for me too. It's like, I just wish that I was the one that left. You know, like, okay, I can wrap my brain around that, Claire. Like the guys I like, the guys I thought I liked didn't want me. So it's like no big deal. They didn't want you. But like when you look back, you didn't want them. And then the next thought, right? The next self-sabotaging lack of compassionate thought, incompassionate thought, uncompassionate thought. Oh my gosh, you guys, you know, I speak so much on these things (laughs) that I don't know words. But then you shame yourself with, yeah, but he left first. I just wish that like I was the one that left. I wish I saw it first. Well, if you are a loyal as fuck empath like I am, you're just going to stay till the very end because your heart has now just brought this person in. And when you bring someone in and you love that person, it takes a lot for you to let them go. I get it. So thank you, X. Or as Ariana Grande says, thank you, next, right? Thank you, X, for being the person to pull the plug because I would have stayed longer and longer and longer even though I wasn't happy. So thank God that person pulled the plug. And then with this healing work, you can figure out like, ooh, this is painful and ooh, I really cared about them, but oh, yeah. This wasn't going to work. He is not emotionally available. And again, I'm generalizing. I'm not saying every person who leaves you isn't emotionally unavailable, but in some way, shape, or form, they are unavailable to you. And you need to recognize what actually wasn't working for you. So I presented this to my client, who's the one who inspired this episode, who was struggling with this this past week. And she was like, yeah, okay, Uh, you know, I can sit with that. But it wasn't like really working for her. And this is the beauty of coaching. First of all, if you're highly wound up and charged around a limiting belief that just feels so real, there's lots of different ways to emotionally process it. I cover it in the course. You could be tapping. You could be meditating. You could just let yourself have a good conscious cry. You could do some breath work. You could do lots of different things to process this emotion, this insecurity, this feeling of unworthiness, and definitely clock it in your body and move through it. So many ways to do that. And I highly recommend that you do that before you start to just change the belief because it's just not that simple. And it is a practice. This is not a one-time thing. This is a daily committed practice. And if you are in so much pain, it should compel you to commit to this practice. And then once you feel like you've maybe loosened the knot in your heart center or wherever it's physically manifesting in your body, then you can be a little bit lighter and more grounded and more clear and have a stronger ability to approach the disbelief. But for this client, as I said, this idea of, well, the guys I thought I liked didn't like me. She was like, I can kind of see that, but I don't know. I'm not sure if that's really working for me. Then I just said to her, okay, can you just accept the truth that you're drawn to unavailable men, but you're no longer going to entertain them? Because when I think about it being 2019, 
the year I met Larry, I met him in September of 2019. And I took five months off from dating, period. I was just dating myself. I wasn't dating men. I was just dating myself. But when I started the year off, I still attracted unavailable people. I was dating in the beginning of the year. And I was just like, oh, it isn't a problem that I'm attracted to unavailable men. It's only a problem if I choose to explore things with them when the writing is on the wall, when I paint green over red flags. So I can be drawn to unavailable men. I just don't have to say yes to them. I don't have to entertain them. I don't have to give them energy anymore. And there are so many signs of unavailability that my guess is in the past you didn't see because you were just wide-eyed and bushy-tailed like I was, which is fine. It's not bad. It's not wrong. You didn't waste time. You just didn't know. And everybody has just dealt different cards in life. And like mine for sure was to figure out how to attract a wonderful, magical relationship because my greatest pain to date in life of my emotional life is heartbreak in romantic relationships. That just was what I experienced. And so I had more to heal in this lifetime, more to learn, more to grow on. And I fucking rose to the occasion. And I highly recommend that you do because the reward on the other side is the best ever, sharing your amazing life. And if it's not amazing, I teach you how to make it amazing in the course because I think there's nothing better than bringing your happy, fulfilled self to another person's life who's also happy and fulfilled themselves. So can you just allow space for the fact that you're drawn to some unavailable people, but you're not going to entertain them? And can that be neutral? Can that be okay? And if it's not okay, can you just explore the discomfort of that not being okay? Because my guess is the brain then goes, but what if I'm always just drawn to unavailable people? I believe if you make it a practice to keep saying no thank you to unavailable men or walking away when the writing is on the wall and you just keep showing up and you're looking for, again, the whole kit and caboodle, your person will arrive when they are supposed to arrive. But it usually doesn't happen when you're rushing and you're feeling pressured and you're putting out graspy, pressury energy, or you're getting really frustrated that you haven't found them yet, or you're not enjoying being alone, or you just second guess if it'll ever happen. This is another topic with another client in my group. It's like, but what if it doesn't happen? But what if it doesn't happen? I should do a whole other episode on that. But if you're spending all your time or if a lot of energy is going into what if it doesn't happen, what if it doesn't happen, I think that will prolong your person coming. So what about putting the focus on finding the person versus putting the focus on fearing you never will? I'll say that again. What if you put the focus on finding him with like a motivated, inspirational fire up your ass versus putting the focus on fearing that you never will? And I know that, again, that's not easy to do. So again, doing that emotional processing, whatever your resistance is, whatever your fear is, whatever your pain is, whatever your sadness is, really committing to an emotional processing practice. And I think that that's a very personal and individual practice. I change mine up a lot, different kinds of meditations, 
different ways of doing it, tapping or just even taking a walk or playing a song that I know just like gets right to the jugular and will let the floodgates open that I need to just release. What I, and you have to figure out what that is. But then it's like, okay, wait, what's the result that I want? I want to find my person. So when I'm thinking about how the guys I like don't like me or thinking about, oh, I'm so scared, I'll never find him. And you just are in this loop. Again, emotionally process. But then you could also just say, okay, I don't have time for this. Yeah, it would fucking suck if I never found him. Yeah, it has been annoying that the guys I thought I liked didn't like me. And it is annoying that I'm drawn towards unavailable men, but I know better now. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to give second, third, fifth chances. I'm going to clock it and I'm going to go and I'm just going to keep my eye on the freaking prize. And I know you're a human. You're not a robot. So you get to experience the bumps and the disappointments and the sadness and the fear, right? And then, okay, but I'm looking for my person. And I'm just going to keep on working on my own availability. And isn't that ironic, right? People often say, but I don't get it because I know I'm available. I'm available, but I keep attracting unavailable. And I think saying no to unavailable people is you becoming more available. That in and of itself is making you more available. While loving the journey, loving the ride, loving the swiping process, loving putting yourself out there, being proud of yourself that you're in the arena, loving a good, hilarious date story that you have one for the books. Literally went out with Larry and some friends the other night and I was telling them some date stories. Larry was like, oh, you got to tell them this story. You got to tell them this story. I'm like, you cannot make this shit up. Funny stories and just trusting in the timing. And I know it's hard. How do I trust? How do I trust? It's like, Maybe you don't even need to trust right now. Just keep showing up. Okay, well, I still want to find him and I'm not sure if I'm trusting, so I'm just going to keep showing up. Okay, I keep feeling like the guys I like don't like me, but I'm also just going to keep showing up to find the one that I like who does like me. You're looking for one person. One person. I said this to a client the other day. Like attracts like. If you believe in law of attraction, then the amazing you is going to attract your amazing person. So I know this stuff isn't easy, right? It's you got to noodle on it. So I want to reiterate emotional processing, go inward, breathe through it, allow, be patient, be compassionate with all that comes up. Yes, I'm your coach. So I'm going to give as many spins on, you know, your thoughts and disprove them to you over and over and over again and help you see it a different way. But I've got my own shit. I've got my own blocks. I've got my own resistance. And I have to meet myself where I'm at. And I've really lately been very committed to doing that with my own stuff and really shifting how I am showing up in my life with my own goals. So the guys you don't want don't want you and therefore it's not a problem and thank them for leaving early because you are a loyal huge-hearted empath who never would have done it so they needed to do it for you to move through the pain and recognize the lesson recognize that you weren't compatible and get that much more clear on who it is 
that you do want. I on the freaking prize. Don't forget about my course, $200 off. Afterpay is available, really small payments. And there is also a payment plan, three live group calls in March. Check it out. So much love, my loves. Until next time, bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after. After.